to Trek Companion. This is episode 56. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we're going to be discussing Next Gen's first season episodes, Too Short a Season, When the Bow Breaks, Home Soil, and Coming of Age. Here we go. Too Short a Season, Season 1, Episode 15, Production Number 112, Original Air Date, February 8th, 1988. Directed by Rob Bowman, story by Michael McKellian, teleplay by Michael McKellian and DC Fontana, music composed by George Romanus. Guest cast include Clayton Rohner as Admiral Mark Jameson, Marcia Hunt as Ann Jameson, and Michael Pataki as Karnas. The Enterprise is called upon to transport a famous negotiator, Admiral Mark Jameson, to Mordan 4 where several Federation officials have been taken hostage by what seems to be an extreme faction on the planet. When Jameson beams onto the ship, it turns out he is terminally, a terminally ill man in his 80s. As the voyage progresses, however, Jameson inexplic- inexplicably begins to look not only healthier, but younger as well. When confronted by Bacar, Jameson admits to experimental treatment to handle this negotiation. And so the terrorists demanded an outside negotiator. I know Karnas. He is a warrior. He lives for challenge. These people have insulted his honor by taking the embassy staff hostage. Now, I'll negotiate, but I'll have to be very careful in dealing with Karnas. is an interesting um, kind of <laughs> commentary on what's not necessarily wrong with, say, season one, but what um, holds it back. Um, you know, I started reading the um, the uh, Next Gen 365 book. Mm-hmm. This is a good book so far. And it has an opening, you know, the prologue uh, commentary is uh, Ron Moore. <clears throat> and he talks about how when, you know, season three got good, season four got good because uh, Michael Pillar came on and his new mandate was our shows now, they need to be about our main characters. So from now on, you know, you're describing an episode and you say, this is a, it's a Picard show where so-and-so happens or a, a data show where so-and-so happens. Um, and that's when the show changes and when it starts to get consistently good. And I'm sorry, this episode, too short a season, even when it's got some cool stuff in it, and there are some things I like, like and we'll get into that, like their relationship, like the relationship between Jameson and his wife, I think is neat. Even then, it's for the most part, this is what I'm thinking. This is a story about Jameson, and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know? That's what I mostly feel like. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when we were doing DS9, we marveled at, by the time we got to the seventh season, and they were um, able to do a, a focus on a secondary character show, but that wasn't until the very end of a show that did such a great job of developing so many secondary characters that they were darn near primaries you know they weren't they weren't really secondaries here you're literally talking about the guest star who's known for this one episode and never comes back i mean it's kind of what's kind of a you know indicative of this i I was struck by wow how often do we see picard on the bridge not sitting in the captain's chair but we do in this episode Mm. you know yeah i think that only happens a couple of other times Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, so there there are some things in it that I like, but but th- that's that's really what uh, keeps this episode holds this episode back holds so many of the first season episodes. Even when it's it's not necessarily even if it's about an outside 
character, but it could just be about, you know, the ship problem of the week or, you know, the technology problem of the this week or, you know, or, uh, I don't know, even the better episodes of season one, like um, Where No Man Has Gone Before, isn't really about any of our characters. And, and I know that's a more popular first season episode, but I still, you know, I think it's a weak episode. It's a better first season episode, but it's still weak. You know, the couple of the two good first season episodes for me, that there, and there are only two good ones so far. There might be something left we haven't watched yet, but I don't think so. One one zero zero one and Data Lore. We talked about them both in our last podcast. And guess what? Data Lore. It's about data. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the Binars episode. It's Riker. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's Riker and his relationship with Minuet. Um, so anyway, let's let's. I guess I'll stop talking about what too short a season. <laughs> how it comes short up, up short. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, the stuff in it that it, it has that I like, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a good uh, talking about playing with mother nature, uh, you know, trying to cheat um, age and death. Uh, these are interesting things. Uh, the only thing that I found that felt like was occasionally exceptional was this relationship between um, him and his wife, the kind of thing that we don't usually spend time on. Um, that more than anything else illuminated to me that he had achieved something in his old age. You know, he, he had this relationship and, and uh, without that, I think that there wouldn't have been any stakes. I mean, why not take, take this drug, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I, I enjoyed that. There were, there were a couple of nice scenes between the two of them. I don't know. What are, you, what are your guys' thoughts on this episode? I'm talking a lot. Um. <clears throat> Do you think maybe this episode would have benefited a little bit more if they would have brought a character from the original series in here? Kind of like what DS9 did with Kor and Koloff. Do you think, because, you know, I'm, I agree with you, you know, you bring this guy in, Jameson, and he's like a famous admiral, that kind of thing. And I was just thinking, you know, maybe it would have benefited, you know, just to have, you know, like a second or third kind of character, you know, like a, a small character from the original series play this role instead of just um, making one up. Well, certainly would have helped from a geekdom standpoint, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, that would have been fun, you know. Um, maybe, I mean, I don't know, I was just, like I said, I was just thinking maybe it would have been helped if it was just basically like maybe a, possibly a, an original series kind of storyline. And I know maybe they probably didn't want to do that because it's the first season, they're trying mm-hmm. to establish themselves, but and I thought it worked in DS9 with Kor and Koloff and all them, and mm-hmm. Maybe that guided them in those decisions, but I don't know. Um, I would, this episode to me is it's kind of blah. I, I don't, uh, I don't dislike it, but at the same time, if it's on, t- I'm not going to like go out of my way to to watch it. At the same time, yeah, I, I would, I would say if it, it, it maybe it's slightly above average on a first season for 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 the first season, maybe, but yeah, um, it is interesting. We brought up the original series, and uh, I also was kind of reminded of it with the whole arming both sides thing. You get the Vietnam allegory again. You can tell the whole yeah. the original yeah. series crew is at it again. And you know, I, I want to say something because we it seems like every time we've been talking about the next gen this first season, we bring up original series, and then we say something bad like equating it with the original series is a bad thing. I mean, I think. The original series is phenomenal i think it's it's a matter of where it takes place in in time and you know you you have to do things of the time or something contemporary or advance it because i i I mean i love the original series but i think what we're saying when we say these kinds of things is that it's like it's going back to the well and doing something that was new and fresh 20 years prior that's the yeah well you know the original series frequently wasn't about 
I don't know. If it was about our characters, it was only ever about, you know, uh, Kirk. Occasionally yeah. the tiniest bit, Spock and McCoy. Yeah. Um, but pretty much it was Kirk, you know. Uh, and they often had, you know, the guest stars were a very big part of it. Um, the episode you just referenced is a good example. But that was the 1960s. And by the time we get into the 80s, um, when the show has got every other aspect of an 80s, of a more contemporary show, uh, and then it, and then it does, you know, does this thing with the characters going, you know, spending too much time with a non-primary character. That does feel weird here. And my point is, it feels mm-hmm. weird here in a way that it probably did, would not have in the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that is a common refrain for us. Um, but I think that, that by the time this season is over, they're able to look back at season one and, and they know kind of what worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see more and more of that in season two. Of course, we're going to get one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever in season two with Measure of a Man, which mm-hmm. couldn't, I mean, it's really, truly a, uh, analyzing one character. Um, you know, it's just going to get more and more like that. And then, of course, the show is just going to get better until it sits on a nice high bar by season three or four. I think um, it's the callers that are introduced in season two that changes <laughs> the whole aspect. <laughs> 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 one, one just off-topic thing real quick uh, about this episode. You all see that funny thing that Picard does with his mouth when he goes into the turbo lift at the end of the opening. I always remember that saying, like, wow, they didn't catch that. Because every time I see that, when he goes into the... I don't know, where, he's walking away from the bridge in the, in the very opening with Riker, Riker behind him, and he opens his mouth funny like he's popping his jaw or something. And, it, and, uh, and I, every time I think, wow, that's so funny they didn't catch it. And I'm surprised they didn't decide to edit it out in later things, but I'm glad they did. I didn't see it. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. I didn't catch watch it. it. It's just, yeah, the opening, towards the end of the opening, yeah. He walked, when he rock walks off with Riker. Um, I got my nitpicker list here. You guys know that I normally don't even address it until, but it, but when the episode's weak, it, it I, I think about stuff like this. Um, first of all, we'd probably all agree that the makeup kind of sucks, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they did old age better in the original series. <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, that's a small portion of the episode. He's not that old for that long. But what about the fact that he's only 85? Now, 85 today... I made that, I like made that nice note, too. Yeah. But 85 here is nothing. We already had... McCoy was, what, 130-something? Mm-hmm. Well, it did have the disease. I think that kind of. Okay. I guess that could explain yeah. something. That's the only. That's the only thing I got on there is that maybe it's the disease. But still, you have people talking about, like even even the guy, the what's his name, Carnass at the end. He's like, this guy should be ancient. He should be in his <laughs> mid eighties. Yeah, people true. Talking about yeah. the disease, you know, <clears throat> he doesn't he doesn't even believe about the disease. So, I don't know. That was another weird little thing. There were some weird little things like that, but his wheelchair was very. Um, um, was Original it series. Yeah, yeah, very pikeish. <laughs> yeah, famously, they had a lot of problems with that wheelchair. Basically, it cost. They spent a lot of money and time on it, and it didn't work. They couldn't move it. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, if you see it, they're just sitting it there and trying to shoot around it. It's really, really kind of silly. Um. Um. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of cool that that Picard actually goes down on this like actiony away team mission thing. Mm-hmm. But the way it ends is so anticlimactic. Yeah. They yeah. start a firefight and beam us up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it still um, feels weird to me that they do that. I, I thought this. I thought it ended well. I kind of like you know it doesn't really have a happy ending. Yeah, I like that he dies definitely. Yeah, he dies, and you know it's kind of a dark ending, and it it is is a nice way to wrap up the story. And you know if we get into what the meaning of the episode, I think that's yeah. Let's do that. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, if he hadn't died, then again, uh, there's there's no like lesson here. Um, but um, you know, the, what are the consequences of of, of um, trying to cheat Mother Nature in time? Um, but for me, more more than anything, it gets back to this idea of that he's that he's giving up this. Uh, maybe that's just something that I wouldn't have thought of, or you know, when I was a young younger person. But now, you know, a person in my 30s, my own family and stuff like that, you know, um, it's, a, it's a natural part of life to, to age. And, you know, and to, to achieve that with this other person to me is a really big deal. And that he gives that up, that, that's, that to me is pretty crazy. You know, Picard asked him, why did you feel that you had to be younger to do this negotiation? I'm not sure that he offers a satisfactory answer, and maybe that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 why, do, what do you, why do you guys think he does it, really? Well, obviously he's haunted by this um, period in his life that's kind of, you know, um, and I guess it has to do with the planet and the respect. You know, you have to, I, I don't, it's hard for me to say exactly, you know, an ego thing that he has to, be able to stand up to the um you know his his adversary on um Mordan um I think maybe it probably for him it probably started out as he just wanted to heal himself and be able to live a normal life and then this opportunity to correct this probably this great wrong in his life um you know his just ego just went crazy and it's like I have to have to be strong for this yeah, I think it might be. I think maybe there, he might be using like his disease and the mission as a bit of an excuse for, um, in, a, in a way, the getting younger again is a manifestation of him wanting to go back and change what he did in a way or something. You know, it's so like becoming young again is the, it was like almost like going back in time for him in his head or something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he's he's really consciously giving up all these other things, you know, uh, Picard has a line about age and wisdom have their graces too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, he's, he's not even thinking with that wisdom that you should have mm-hmm. with that age. He's thinking like he's like he's 30 or 25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's kind of funny watching this episode, you know, once we get, you know, today we look at, um, Captain Picard as, um, probably the diplomat of all the captains. He's very highly, dip- you know, he has that, that skill, that's his skill. And it was kind of, I was watching this, it was kind of funny to see that this supplanted him. And, you know, I guess symbolically, you know, him sitting in the chair and that kind of thing. It was weird to me thinking somebody that's, it's weird for me to think of somebody at a higher elevation as like of an ambassador or diplomat than Picard. So it was kind of weird for me, kind of a weird thing. I think this is the first time we actually see an ambassador in next gen. Hmm. I believe, unless you count um, Q wearing an ambassador's uniform, but mm-hmm. um, I might be wrong about that. But I know I think I'm right, um, uh, Steve. So that kind of those are your thoughts about what it's about, too. Yeah, I would say so. It's, um, I mean, you know, the the easy answer is kind of the obsession with being young, but I think it, it it's 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 the um, it's the tra- yeah. It's the trade-off, like you said. If you if you fight natural processes, you essentially pay for it. Ultimately, you know you can't fight that forever. Whatever his motivations are, that's the end result. So, not uh, 
terribly strong episode. I honestly, here's here's something positive I can say. This episode was actually better than I remembered it because I kind of have remembered really, really disliking this episode. Hmm. So, you know, um, what is that old saying? I've been so much happier ever since I gave up hope. <laughs> if you just if you just go in with really low expectations. All right, let's move on. Six degrees for too short a season. Oh, golly. Steve. Yes. Michael Pataki plays Karnas, the leader of Mordan that is bent on revenge with Admiral Jameson. Speaking of the original series, he played the Klingon Korax in the episode The Trouble with Tribbles. Korax joins several other Klingons in insulting the Enterprise and Captain Kirk, finally getting a rise out of Scotty when they call the Enterprise what name? What do they say the Enterprise is? Oh, um... I remember them saying it sh- she should be hauled away as garbage. That's close okay. enough. Okay, yeah. Garbage scow. Okay. <laughs> saying garbage is it's good enough. All right. Uh, Adam. Yes. Children of the 80s may best remember Pataki as Nikolai Koloff, the Russian trainer in which Rocky film? Four? That is correct, Rocky Four. <laughs> Couldn't resist that. All right, moving on. When the Bow Breaks, Season 1, Episode 16, Production Number 118, Original Air Date, February 15th, 1988. Directed by Kim Manners, written by Hannah Louise Shearer, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Jerry Harden as Radu, Brenda Strong as Rochella, Jandy Swanson as Katie, Paul Lambert as Melian, Ivy Bethune as Duana, Dirk Torsek as Dr. Bernard, Michelle Marsh as Leda, Dan Mason as Acolan, Philip N. Waller as Harry, Connie Denise as Toya, and Jessica Bova and Vanessa Bova as Alexandra. The Enterprise accidentally discovers the legendary planet of Aldea with advanced technology that provides every need or want a person could have. Aldea has hidden itself from the universe behind a sophisticated shield. It's soon apparent the discovery was no accident. Having lost the ability to reproduce, the Aldeans kidnap several children from the Enterprise, including Wesley Crusher, to perpetuate their race. What's so interesting about this system? Aldea. Tasha, I'm surprised you haven't heard the stories of Aldea, the wondrous, mythical world. Like Atlantis of ancient Earth, or nine men of Xerxes Seven, advanced culture, centuries old, self-contained, peaceful, incredible technical sophistication, providing the daily needs of all the citizens, so that they could turn themselves over to art and culture. You know, uh, it's going to be a tough episode when they probe the children. Indeed, mm. <laughs> that was that was my first thought. Got <laughs> aliens probing our children. <laughs> I um, I I went right from the start. Start two things struck me. One, something happened with their audio because they have a ton of dubbing and posts. You know, um, after the yeah, fact, you can the, tell with the lips and stuff. They definitely changed the name Aldea. Yes, yes. Something else, yeah. And it also it occurred to me like how far do Troy's senses work as long as you can see someone on a view screen that works you know because it's like you ever think about that like how far and how would one filter one person on a planet zillions of miles away and stuff anyway i had the same thought but then i was really conscious like the her actual words and stuff the, what she says implies she's getting it based on um, oh 
inference and such. You know? Yeah, like the way he's looking or something mm. like that. I rem- whatever it was, because I, I had the same exact thought, and then I, I listened to exactly what she's saying. I'm like, no, they're not, they're not necessarily saying she's, being, she's actually getting the emotion through that distance. Now, that's just this one episode. Maybe there's another one that's more clear that she's somehow magically doing that. But um, Anyway. Um, so just me, or did it seem like there wasn't too many out there? And it seemed like a very small community. <laughs> for a yeah, this, well, this, is, this is classic, you know, like <laughs> one big building, there's life on this planet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you would think they'd, um, I don't know, you'd think they'd need more kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, there wasn't that many of them, so I guess I didn't need that many kids. Oh, right, sure. <laughs> this, uh, no, it's I know we'll harp on it already again, but this is very much a lot of original series stuff going on here. You got a computer running uh, a society. You've got the the ending feels very cheese, you know, like that. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of things. Heck, that that shot of the power source for the what do they call yeah. the computer? Yeah, what's called the custodian. Yep, that power source. That was a very like sci-fi e like it reminded me of um uh, what Forbidden Planet, you know, like a fifties. Mm-hmm. The big matte painting is what I know. It's not what it was, but that's, that's what it felt like. Um, that was very, yeah, definitely old school sci-fi original series. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, Adam, you like this episode? Um, I, guess I kind of feel the same about all these episodes that we watched today. They're not great, but they're not absolutely horrible either. It's like yeah, not I'm, gonna go out, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch them, but. There's a reason we're doing four today. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a kind of like a very uh, a below-average, you know, standalone episode. Um, you, know, we, you know, we can talk, you know, like Steve said in the last episode, you know, we've, you know, we've kind of harp on like, oh, yeah, they keep going back to the well. Um, and that's just, you know, like we've said, that's they all, the producers and a lot of the people who um, created the original series were brought back to work on this. So it's, I, I guess it's, shouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised or like, you know, disappointed because this is, you know, this is probably what the fourth season of the original series probably would have looked like in a way <laughs> without Wesley Crusher. Um, do you, did you you guys really remember these episodes like this one did you, did you remember yeah this? i do I, I remember it as the as a more wesley like i don't know i remember it as more from wesley stuff more than anything else i guess mm-hmm. um even though he i mean he doesn't have a lot but he's he him away from the ship we haven't seen a lot of that well we saw it in was it justice um but he does take on a little bit of a leadership role here with the kids um I'm I'm reaching guys. Sorry. <laughs> I like I like Troy's line, non sequitur. Which <laughs> she's she's so she's so evolved, and she's so patient. And um, when they say we want your children, she says humans are unusually attached to their offspring. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got mother issues, as we know. So. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I do like that. I kind of like the con- concept. It's like, you know, freeing yourself of um, all external needs so you can live for arts and growing. I mean, they kind of have that, that they kind of have that in common, I guess, with the Federation in a weird way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When, when people ask me, um, yeah, well, there's, there's, why do you like Star Trek so much? That's one question. Um, but, you know, one of the most attractive things about it to me 
is this idea where we evolve to the point in the future um, so that each person can kind of um, focus on uh, advancing humankind uh, entirely with whatever gifts they were given um, to do that, uh, as opposed to, say, nowadays when um, we have to spend most of our time uh, paying the rent. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? um, and that's the kind of thing that I that I think about very quickly. It's one of the first thoughts about, you know, Star Trek uh, in the pseudo-near future. You know, we're talking uh, a couple hundred or a few hundred years. We're not talking a few thousand. Um, and uh, that's exactly what they talk about as this ideal from Aldea, uh, the myth of Aldea, that these people can do that. And that was what I was thinking when Riker was saying that. I'm like, dude, that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> um, but I guess to him, he's not. Yeah, well, and you know, the, clearly Roddenberry had notions on this because you saw it so much in the original series, you saw it so much in the first season, but these kinds of situations where <clears throat> a society gets so lackadaisical that they don't even know how anything works anymore. I mean, basically the the notion being there is a line, you know, at what point... It, w- at what point do you risk getting into a territory where no one just no one cares how anything works, so everything just kind of goes, and then sooner or later it bites them because they can't they can't tend to the so basic. These are these are examples of of society going too far in that sense. I, I well, think, yeah, I think yeah. That's the <clears throat> yeah. Well, if you think about it, I mean, you know, they have um, you know the the little wood tool where you're not really carving or, you know, the music runs from everywhere. <laughs> you just have to hold up. Yeah. They don't, it's not, they don't even have to do anything to create. Um, so I, you could say this is the extreme side of, um, what, um, Roddenberry was saying the Federation has created, you know, uh, obviously you need to know how things, you know, you need to, the, the Aldeans stopped growing. Basically they stopped growing yeah. as people and individuals. They just relied totally on, I'm reticent. I'm reticent to say anything particularly positive about Star Trek Insurrection. However, <laughs> uh, you know the Baku get to that point, right? They they find that balance. They, everyone thinks they don't that um, they're this primitive um, species or something. Uh, but no, no, we know all that. We haven't forgotten all these things. We know we have that information too. We just we're focusing on this other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True, true. That could be the other side. I mean, where the Aldeans were totally dependent on technology the um the tip baku they kind of live more like a simple life you know all, with, they live with nature basically hmm. but it's, it, you know i think i think the other thing is <clears throat> the same, at the same time this stuff gets a little bit into just the phobia that a, a certain generation had for computers uh, in a way hmm. you know and I, it's just because that's so much of that in the original series because it was so just a new thing back then and people were afraid you know it's the same kind of thing like all the films from the you know first quarter of the 20th century that had that clearly have you know messages about in, industrialization and the negatives with that i think some of this is a residual of that of that fear of computers, and I think we're seeing, you know, because the same writing staff, you know, we're seeing a little bit in this. It's like it's one of the, it's like one of those original series episodes, you know. So I don't know how much they're specifically trying to say. It's great to have, great to be able to free yourself from tedious affairs and and live for art and live for culture and advancement. And how much they're just, you know, going oh, again with this. Uh, watch how much you rely on machines thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what, what's one of the things that, that holds this episode back is that while that's maybe an interesting conversation, 
um, it it takes a back seat to they've kidnapped the children. We need yeah. to get the children back. Well, now they kidnapped the children because they lost touch with their own um, medical abilities. Obviously, it wasn't that difficult to determine. Uh, you know, for Crusher, it wasn't that difficult for her to determine that um, there's a problem with the ozone because of the shield or whatever, and we can we can it's carry like this radiation poisoning relatively easily. Um, but, you know, so uh, while um, their lackadaisical uh, attitude has caught, put them in this position so that they feel the need to kidnap the children, um, we don't get mostly. We just feel like it's about they kidnap the children and we need to get the children back, which is kind of a silly kind of thing. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. It's there's not there's, there's not any real sense of drama. Um, nobody's really. We're not really going to lose the children. I I briefly thought it was kind of interesting. They had the the scene with some of the parents. That one scene with them of the parents being concerned. Where are our kids? Mm-hmm. Um, but even that doesn't really doesn't really work for me because you know what? These aren't my characters. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. This episode. Um. Uh, gosh, I, I just I don't much care for it. I, it's not terrible. Yeah, I I feel the same about all of these two. Like 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 you, Adam. You know, it's not that any of these are are terrible, um, but I don't know. First season, next gen, averagey episode. I'd almost rather it was terrible. At least, uh, <laughs> at least justice was funny. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but even just reviewing it for us to sit here and talk about it when it's when it's so average, it's easy to talk about when we love it or when we hate it. But when it's when it's like this, you know, we don't have a lot to say. I don't. Um, it's kind of. Um, um, I don't know. What's this episode about? <clears throat> I think we kind of hit on it. You know, the well, I mean, kind of the technology thing. You know, reliance. That you know, I think we kind of had that discussion. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think it's yeah, I think it's trying to be something about that, but like like you pointed out, the you know taking the children thing gets get makes it such an indirect notion. I mean, it's, there's not a clear line between look what happened. We we re, you know we just relied too much on it. We didn't know how anything works anymore, and look what happened. It made us sterile. I mean, you know, it just kind of jumps to there, and it doesn't. You don't really. It doesn't all come together very well. So I think that's where going they're going for is the result of relying too much on machines and not being self sufficient or something like that. But they it's, they dance around it not particularly well. Well, I like that. I think Picard has a line about the legend will die, but the people will live. Or was that Riker? No, mm-hmm. it sounds like a Picard line. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Um, you know. There's something kind of interesting there, you know, in order to evolve, um, in order to have any kind of progress, we, you know, we have to um, break out of this. Yeah, break out of the past, break out of this comfortable um, hidden world we had. I don't know, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but again, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it doesn't play very well. Yeah. Um, Anything else you guys want to say about this one? I think we think we're good. The little girl was kind of with the little redhead girl. She was pretty cute. I remember her thinking she was, you know, cute little girl, funny mm-hmm. um, when I was younger. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you know, we had the desperate housewives girl, very young. Oh really? I didn't realize that. No, she was the um, 
the the woman on Aldea. I can't remember her character's name. Hmm, okay. The first one, yeah, she was. Um, so yeah, I'm putting out my girl wings here. I think she was in not not no two one Melrose Place. She started Melrose Place. Oh, I got you. I got you. Now the face is coming. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then, then right. she was in Desperate Housewives. Hmm. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of. Um... I'm reaching. I'm trying so hard. (laughs) All right, six degrees for uh, when the bow breaks. What's our score? One one. One one. One one. All right. Uh, Oh gosh, Uh, Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Jerry Harden plays Radu, the Aldean leader that only wishes to do the right thing and offers something of equal value for the children. In Next Gen's fifth and sixth seasons, he played Mark Twain in the two-parter Time's Arrow. Twain goes by his real name in the episode. What was that? Oh, um, Samuel Clemens. Yes. See, I should have asked Mr. Caesar, uh, folks. uh, uh, Steve is from Missouri. Uh, (laughs) Caesar. Yes. Paul Lambert Lambert, uh, plays the musical teacher Melian, uh, who apparently only wants to hear happy music. Next Gen's fourth season, he plays Dr. Howard Clark in the episode The Devil's Do. Dr. Clark requests assistance from the Enterprise D when the Ventaxians believe the devil has returned. What did they call their version of the devil? What was her name? I'm trying to come up with an educated guess, and I'm not coming up with one. So, how about it, Steve? Uh, I remember. I think I remember the one you're talking about. I remember the chick, and I believe they called her Ardra. Is that right? You are correct. It was Ardra. So what do we got? Three to one. Yeah. Moving on. Home Soil, season one, episode seventeen, production number one seventeen. Original air date February twenty second, nineteen eighty eight. Directed by Corey Allen. Story by Robert Sabarov, Carl Gurs, and Ralph Sanchez. Teleplay by Robert Sabarov. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Walter Gotell as Kurt Mandel, Elizabeth Lindsay as Lisa Kim, Gerard Printergast as Bjorn Benson, Mario Rocuzzo as Arthur Melancon, and Caroline Berry as Female Engineer. At the Federation's request, the Enterprise visits Valera 3, where a group of terraformers are working to transform the seemingly desolate planet into one capable of supporting life. Tragically, a terraformer engineer is killed during the away team visit in a bizarre hydraulic room accident, which leads to an unusual investigation of life. I believe it was programmed to destroy any person moving in that room, sir. Certainty? Speculation. Certainty. That would have required the talents of a master programmer. But it was done. And so, the question becomes not who, since clearly it was one of the three remaining terraformers. The question becomes why? What are they hiding? What could be so important that one or all of them could be desperate enough to kill? Here we go again. I mean, this this is Devil in the Dark, right? Yep, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is just right. Devil in the Dark from the original totally. series with the Horta. Yeah. Yep. You know, and there are elements of Devil in the Dark that I think Next Gen is going to do a good job with later. Um, I don't remember the name of the episode, but the one with the uh, little bitty sentient Oh, the nanites and such, yes. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the little, they're small robots that um, Data realizes are sentient. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, that's an example of this idea uh, that's done very well, I think, and, and, and you know, and it's, and it's good. And it's done in a, in a different kind of, you know, in NextGen's own unique way. But here we have a NextGen episode that's, yeah, it's just Devil in the Dark. And uh, it doesn't, doing Devil in the Dark exactly like that on NextGen doesn't, doesn't exactly work. Oh, we get some great lines that we'll never forget, like ugly bags of mostly water. People, I still hear, I've even heard non-Star Trek people say that and say, yeah. I don't know where I heard that. I'm like, yeah, I, I know where you heard that. <laughs> but considering its pedigree, it's um, it's surprising that it's stuck with us. I mean, considering the, the episode is not one of the, the best remembered episodes. Um, um, there's some odd stuff in here. Uh, I didn't, there's like, like Troy says has a line that lovely visions, little data, and that set, that means to Riker, that's her way of telling Riker, go Mac on the <laughs> chick scientist. <laughs> but that's really what it means. It's not like he's misinterpreting it. That's what she means. And I, I'm like, what just happened? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just, that's just what he's going to do anyway. Who knows what she's talking about. But yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess. Um, Is yeah, it just so me or me? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's one cool thing about this episode. Everybody kind of does their own unique job. We know, you know, Picard does hit his 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 um, his leadership thing, and he's figuring this stuff out. Data does his thing, like the way he stops that laser. Geordi's mm-hmm. um, doing his engineerish engineering kind of thing, even though he's not full on engineer yet. Uh, Troy definitely has her feelings at the beginning. She's hopeful. Uh, her, her not hopeful, helpful. She's her, her feelings are very helpful, or her intuition is helpful to Picard, so that he knows, um, oh, something's up. We do need to further investigate. We do need to go down for a look. Uh, and also, uh, just like everyone else on this list, Riker does his thing when he goes and hits on the science chick scientist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everybody does their own um, proprietary action. It, the uh, the group down the this group of scientists it has a little bit of that really really trying to be diverse thing going on you know all, you know it's like the, the the Russian guy leads them and I don't know one of maybe uh, some kind of a Latino or something thing and then the Swedish guy and you know it's just, yeah he has a very nice mullet though hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah he really dates the episode doesn't he. Real quick, um, I couldn't help but being taken, just kind of a little thing, taken out of this episode. Okay, so we go back to, let's go back to Rathacon, where terraforming was done with um, Genesis and a torpedo. And we un- understand why that wasn't done anymore. But I'm watching this episode, and it seems like very um, archaic compared to what they were doing, you know, yeah. in the timeline 80 years prior. You know, they're down in the dirt. You think they would have figured out a way some between then and you know their time they're now that they could have figured out you know to perfect the genesis torpedo but it just seems like they kind of went back i don't know it was just kind of a weird thing i was thinking about with terraforming and um and um, I, think I think there was method, i think this method is kind of boring yeah you know? mm-hmm. exactly i wouldn't rather just have that genesis weapon and you know what else wouldn't have to worry about any stupid twinkling guys in the sand no they're done yeah, yeah. It wasn't that there was a terraformer in DS9. I think it was like a first season episode two. Wasn't that one where Cisco well, Richard Kiley? Richard Kiley. He was yeah. A, he made he made terraforming seem cool. You know, like oh waterfalls and sculptures and stuff like that. <laughs> Coming back to this is like this is boring. I mean, who would want to be on the? Who would want to be doing this? They're like talking years. Oh, next year we're gonna have 
this done, and the year after that, I'm like, no, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of like, well, it'd be like playing Sim City or something at the slowest speed possible, twenty four seven for years. You know, that's well, what it is. Actually, the 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 woman scientist actually has a line about, I want you to remember what this is like because in thirty years, <laughs> <laughs> <What>? really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not coming back here and checking it out in thirty years. Let me tell you, God, um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and then the other thing that, that hurts it with all that the terraforming stuff, which we get a very very detailed explanation. Maybe that's why it seems boring. But like their little their little science office thing, their control room. It's it's I don't know. The design is very boring and hap and rushed and haphazard and simple and um, you know, it's kind of it's first season next gen that doesn't leave much to the imagination. I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> is this a terrible episode? No. You know, well, I, and of, of the ones we're talking about today, I guess coming of age is probably the most interesting one, and that is probably because so it part one has more to do with our characters than any of the others. And but Home Soil is another good example. So. Yeah, I mean it's cool to show us this new this new species or how are we gonna but you think about um Devil in the Dark. We learned something about um Kirk. We definitely learned something about Spock in the way that he deals with that situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How much do we l- learn about any of our main characters here? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I like uh, when uh, when uh, Mullet Man says, like, uh, tell them about the patterns in the sand, and Picard says, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. We do want to hear about the patterns in the sand. Oh, yeah. No, that cracks me. That's the funny, one of the funniest things. I mean, early on, you know, we've already talked about how they kind of find in their characters. So sometimes he's a little <laughs> more enthusiastic than we're accustomed to later. But I, I, I always love when he delivers a line in a strange manner. I always remember the line, you know. So, oh yes, do tell, you know. Yeah. I found it peculiar. None of them thought that was unusual. They were saying, "Oh yeah, geometric forms were forming in the sand." I'm like, didn't nobody, find, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not strange to you. We didn't. Yeah. We just didn't think about it. We, they what thought you, they were. Drunk what do you expect them to send you? Anderson. They were thinking. Yeah. Well, we figured that those flashy guys, if they wanted to communicate with us, they would have pulled out their communicators. And um, <laughs> yeah, you would think the scientists of the 24th century would be a bit more evolved, I guess. And, <laughs> is, and is the woman? I'll see water. Is the woman dubbed, or does she just have a voice that sounds like she's dubbed all the time? You know, some people have that kind of voice. Mm. Um, I didn't get the feeling that she was dubbed. It just me. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, because some people have, have a, a quiet I would have, voice. Where I would have dubbed her, just to be clear. Oh, I got you. I understand. Yeah. But I, I like, I, I wrote down in my notes here that dude Mallinson gets toasted by the loser drill. But I don't think I, I, I think I meant laser. <laughs> it is yeah, a loser drill, and data, well, data takes it out. Right, data gets attacked by some loser drill. That's what I read. <laughs> See, folks, we're really reaching here. Um, that's, you know, that's this is a fun new feature, though. When we really do, <laughs> is if someone reads something from your notes, because I got a good one. I got a good one. Um, 
Where is it? Oh, uh, Goofy okay. Woman is that chick dubbed. See, that, there's something for my That's notes. Uh, you know, this is one of the first times uh, Next Gen's going to kind of talk about non-carbon-based life. Uh and that's interesting. Um, I actually, I remember some, ep- there's at least a, one or two episodes of uh, Voyager that do a cool job of asking and talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was st- the way this episode does is still Devil in the Dark. What about, um, what about the design of the blinky lights? Was that interesting? Hmm. No. See. I, it, was, I, it was until it became a big, Crystal from Pier One. <laughs> uh, I, I like the leap there. It, it, it was like, I mean, I liked it better as the lights instead of the crystal, frankly. You know, at least that's, wow, that's so abstract. And all of a sudden it's bang, there it is. It's something at the store, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of so, you know, oh, we just have to turn off the lights to. Yeah, talk about a weakness, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, you think on, it would have taken control of the light sensors? You know, it took control of everything else in that room. Yeah, it didn't it, it, take it control of the, its power source. <laughs> um, well, what's this episode about? So the, this, this, it's, it's. Um, they were trying to communicate, but the scientists weren't listening because of their own desires and arrogance and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's it's this kind of notion that we've seen in different for, in different episodes and various series about um, <laughs> life comes in all shapes and sizes. You know, you can't make assumptions about you know that every everything and everyone works the way you do or the way you expect it to do. Perhaps I don't know, respecting life, this kind of thing. Uh, it's it's funny to me that the that the creatures, whatever we're calling them, that they use the word war. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. killed so many of us that our only choice is war. <laughs> you know, it just seems odd. These little guys down there. I don't know. War. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. So there's not really any lost sleep over balance in the guy that gets that they literally killed. Yeah, no one. So so in a way, we're um, valuing each of the blinky guys with balance in Equ- equating them. Yeah. That makes- yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's no talk of of putting the Pier One thing on trial or anything. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> that'd be a nice scene, you know. <laughs> I think it'd be more fun if it turned into like a beach ball. <laughs> uh, Caesar, what's it about? Um, I guess don't judge a book by its cover. Do the investigation and make sure there's no life on that planet, carbon or not. There can't be so much as if there's so much as a microbe that the deal's off. <laughs> shows off. What's the line? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, audience. I don't have much else for this one. So, do we shortchange this episode? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. We talked about we got, we got to what it's about. We we commented on things we didn't like, and now we're going to do six degrees for it. Well, six we do degrees. like it because it's Star Trek. Oh, that's true. Yes, I would. I would still watch this over other things. Uh, six degrees for home soil. Uh, I believe our score is three to one. Uh, Caesar, you go on first or second? Um, I'll go second. 
Oh, snap. Steve. Yeah, I snap. Steve, Caroline Barry plays the female engineer that informs Riker that the seal in the medical lab was losing its cohesive structure. In the original series, Barry played the Metron that forces Kirk and the Gorn to fight in what first season episode? Mm. Gosh. I I I don't think I know. Uh, again, and yeah, I I'm just not. I, I remember the episode. I just can't get the name. No, Mr. Caesar. It's funny you bring this up. I was watching Paul last night, and they were replaying scenes. And anyway, I don't know. Arena. Ah, Arena. Uh, of course. Oh, Mr. of course. Caesar. I wasn't connecting to Gorn. You gotcha. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Caesar. Walter Gotel Gotel played Kurt Mandel, the leader of the Terraformers, that seems annoyed that the Enterprise has stopped by. Name any one of the six Bond films in which he played General Gogol. Any one of the six Bond films? Um, yeah, he played, he played the same character, six Bond movies straight. The Russian general. <clears throat> um, That's all I'm thinking of the whole episode that we're watching today. Um... Uh, Never say never. That wasn't even a Bond movie. Ugh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you disappoint me. Okay, uh, Steve. Well, I remember the character, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of struggling a little bit with the era in which he played this character. So um, I'm just going to have to kind of shoot for one in the midst of all of these. You said there were six straight? Yep. Okay. Um, gosh. Uh, Diamonds are forever? No, sir. Hmm. Uh, started in 77 with Spy uh, and went oh. through 87's Living Daylights. Okay, so later. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. I know, I know, Mr. Caesar, that was not a Star Trek question, but, you know. Hey, Never Say Never was a Bond film. I don't care what you no. say. Bond films are only um, Dan Jack. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> okay. Coming of Age, Season 1, Episode 18, Production Number 120, Original Air Date, March 14, 1988, Directed by Mike Beecher, Written by Sandy Fries, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Ward Costello as Admiral Gregory Quinn, Robert Shinkan as Lieutenant Commander Dexter Rimmick, John Putch as Mordock, Robert Ito as Lieutenant Chang, Stephen Gregory as Jake Curland, Tazi Valenz as Tashanik, Este Chandler as Oleana Mirren, Brendan McCain as Technician Number One, Wyatt Knight as Technician Number Two, and Daniel Riordan as Rondon. While the Enterprise orbits Roma 7, Wesley beams down to take the grueling Starfleet Academy entrance exam. Back on board the ship, Picard and his crew are quizzed by Lieutenant Commander Dexter Remick, a Federation officer who is investigating Picard's competence on the orders of the captain's old friend, Admiral Gregory Quinn. Although neither Picard nor his crew understands the reasons for the inquiry, they give Remick their full cooperation. How can they know what my deepest fear is when I don't? By analyzing your psychological profile. They were very accurate about everyone I tested with. Including myself. You? I thought there was nothing that could frighten a Klingon warrior. Only fools have no fear. So, folks, what have we learned about the guy with the webbed hand? He's That's angry. the main thing you take away from this episode, I think. <laughs> <clears throat> you get in his face. 
You know, I, my favorite quote, and I don't remember exact quote, but it was something to the effect of the the girl that kind of acts like she has a crush on Wesley down there makes a reference to the unit he just put down. I like the part where he said, there's something about the unit you just put down, and I, I laugh every time. <laughs> it's, it sounds like nonsense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I always love, she never got a question right, and the guy would come in, you all did very well. And I just wanted to go, except for you, who couldn't get anything you know, right. I mean, I mean, yeah, who did she do what we were <laughs> together? I mean, you who know. Did she, yeah. No, there's something funny about that actress. There's something about her face and the way her voice sounds that she seems like she must have been in every 80s TV show and movie ever. <laughs> she, she really wasn't. I had to look it up. She, she really wasn't. Um, the other thing I learned from this episode, I'll say immediately, is that when Picard puts on a dress, he's finally able uh, to make sense of his own wants and desires. That's how he knew he didn't want to go run Starfleet Academy, for example. Um, but this is an ep- this episode is a little better than our other episodes today for a cup for me for me for a couple of reasons. One, it's got an A and a B. Uh, two, um, certainly one of those stories is full on about Wesley, and the other one is a lot about Picard. So we're, we're, we're mostly sticking with our characters here. Also, uh, a big help. Um, and these things weren't really true of the other episodes today. Um, <clears throat> it, it, this episode has a nice way of, and, and this episode is above average. I'm not going to say it's, it's great, but it does have a nice way of, um, showing the kind of the camaraderie from our main crew and how they're already so close and how they're already so, you know, in, intent on um, sticking up for the captain. You know, and that stuff's nice. And we've seen, we've seen a little bit of that earlier in the series. But obviously, you put somebody like Remick in charge of this investigation, um, and it has a way of bringing these things out. It's, it's, I know, Steve, you love it when they reference other episodes, which is something we don't get much in Next Gen, and this episode clearly does that during some of these interrogations, so that's nice. Well, I like uh, the, um, I like, I, I like that fine. It's a little bit like kind of year in review feel, but I do like, and I always kind of forget about how the, the tie-in with that future episode right at the end of the first season. I always, oh yeah, they're kind of hinting at that stuff coming later, you know, with the creatures in their mouths and all that business. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The story. This is a storyline. It's kind of yeah. There's a story within a story that continues in here. So that was interesting, in hindsight. Well, I think that the uh, admiral should have been more clear. He should have told Picard. I have suspicions that there are creatures in people. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been much more interesting. I think Picard might have taken the job. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to watch that one in high depth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like gory weirdness in that thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of Cronenberg ink, but we'll we'll talk about that one later, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was struck by. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was kind of struck by um, Riker's temper. He got really mad really fast. I'm like, okay, you know, you calm down. Yeah, sometimes yeah, you he, wonder how he got so far because he does he does like kind of at any opportune time just start going at people you know what i mean blah, blah, you know it's to me it's kind of like the it's like the vice president role the exo role you know that's almost what he should be he should be kind of the bulldog um but you can't go on to be captain until you settle down from that too mm-hmm. uh, and i think that he does a good job of that yeah well he comes back to it he apologizes to the captain i, I, I got a little crazy 
So it was okay yeah. then. Um, it is a little bit, um, a little bit heavy the way Remick. You know, it's it's it feels a little dated the way that it's so almost forcing drama. Like I in my notes, I wrote down drama in capital letters with exclamations after it. drama. You know, <laughs> he's trying to cause strife with his. You know his interviews, and um, I don't know. It, it, it's a little, it's a little heavy and full, full mm-hmm. forced, I suppose. You know, but you know what my favorite thing in this episode is actually? It's odd. So, so you've got the the Picard, uh, the Remick storyline going on in the ship. You've got the B story of Wesley. I don't know. Maybe that's the A, and the other is the B. But I don't think so. Uh, you got the B story of Wesley uh, going through the. Uh, exam, um, and then you've got kind of one scene that kind of bridges the two, and it's the scene between Worf and Wesley on the holodeck. It's my favorite scene in this this whole show. I agree, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because I don't know that we've had a f- real scene with Worf like this before. I don't kind of an know emotional if, one, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's it's brief, but it's but it's real and. Uh, it's kind of the realest moment with any of our characters in this whole episode, probably of, of everything we've talked today. Um, and it's the one, the one scene that I thought was exceptional of everything we talked today. And I like that scene so much, especially in context of the first season where I don't think we've had anything, certainly not with Worf like that. I like it so much that it makes this whole episode worth it. You know, if, if, if I get that scene out of this episode, then it's worth it. Um, so I, I really like that scene. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I had it written down as well. Um, that, that, that that was a really good scene. You know, I mean, it's it's you know you, you look back and it's like, well, you know, we know and we love Warp, but you know, it's kind of cool to see the first hints of Warp, and this is yeah. one of the f- first times. Obviously, you're on- where, where Warp is talking about. Um, his own fears and how the the uh, Starfleet Academy entrance exam went out for him, played out for him. And, you know, and that's funny, you know, we, uh, uh, a lot of people like to give Wesley a hard time. And this was actually, if you were going to pinpoint, you know, he's obviously the B story, but he's very, it's, it's a good Wesley episode. I was watching it, you know, there's that whole thing about Wesley and he wasn't liked and that kind of thing. But watching this whole season, he hasn't bothered, it hasn't, you know, except for maybe Justice, but that episode wasn't his fault. Um, he's really good. He's really good in this episode. And, um, I, I kind of think I, I don't know. It was just confusing to me because I know it's been a problem for some fans, the Wesley Crusher character. But um, going back and watching this first season, I haven't had any kind of issues with. It. I thought he's been very good, a good character, well written, and um, this was a good episode for his character as well. Yeah, I've said that I never, I never felt the kind of of um, vitriol that so many people did, and and I I heard it even in our little town that we grew up in, Sedalia. I remember. It hearing it some in some way um but i never felt that way and maybe that's partially because i was that boy you know that that was my age and when this this show premiered um but i don't think that was all of it i really do think some of it was that um you know a lot of it was unfair there were some interesting things with wesley we we've talked about the things that uh made people dislike him you know stuff like I think Wunderkind saving saving the whole ship and crap like that. I, th- that, I think maybe that the- doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen in this episode, and that's one of the reasons too that, mm-hmm. that we we can enjoy him. 
I think it's kind of funny. I think they moved really fast with this character because if you think about it, the first couple episodes, yeah, he's saving the ship. He's like, you know, more important than the the other crew. But they, you know, go, you know, this season has kind of hit its stride and they got away from that. I don't know if it's something they consciously did, but you know, you notice in the first couple of episodes all the way up to probably with the traveler where Wesley was very, he was almost more important than he was. They kind of had him up to the captain status as far yeah, as like yeah. airtime and importance and that kind of thing. And it's kind of tailed off um, over the last several episodes. And then, you know, they've kind of come back to him and this well, and you kind of get to see him as a kid, as a exactly. team, not this, this, not this genius or special person. He's just he's just a kid, you know, trying to get into college, basically. And um, exactly, yeah. So we're seeing him go through the through these kid trials, uh, and that's that works, you know, and that works, and and the other stuff, uh, not so much, and and that's why, you know, uh, if Worf had come in there and said, uh, I remember the first time. The traveler came to me and said I was going to be going through. No, well, yeah, but no. This is something. This is universal. This is experience, um, and and it's and it's a good scene. It's a really good scene. The um, even his tests. <clears throat> I remember. I remember thinking, oh, that was a test. Yeah, when I was a kid. Anyway, um, I do. I do. Looking back, though, I think these tests are a little bit. I mean, extreme. I mean. Are you telling me that every single person who goes to Starfleet Academy goes through this level of test just to yeah, get in? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah how would they populate go, the school? Yeah, you get in a group a room with four geniuses from all over the galaxy, and you got to <laughs> yeah, be the one. I mean, come on. Yeah, it was a little weird to me. Why can you guys are all capable of being in Starfleet, but we're only going to take one of you? That seemed kind of strange. Oh, well, why? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why? Why can't right. they all get in? And and the tests are either. Um, dumb or what's going on you know like a bunch of blinky lights that you coordinate some kind of thing you don't, well, you don't know what's happening or or that whole intermix ratio it's like maybe i learned it from this episode or maybe i read it in a book but i immediately knew the answer so all these people they were like oh gosh especially the girl i don't even know she never knows anything but you know <laughs> um so any any other comments about the um the a story then um I don't think it works as well as Wesley's story, um, but it, it it works. Um, you know, I, I don't think the actor playing the admiral is terribly strong. Um, Wait a minute, he's very strong in the next episode, bro. <laughs> true. Uh, I you know, <clears throat> putting him through all of this so that he can decide to, you know, you know, like the denouement is is weak. The the motivation for going through this interrogation is very weak. You know, certainly I want, I want to promote you to Admiral and put you in charge of the Charlie Academy. Obviously you'd want to make sure that person was ready and things, but I, you know, the motivation and stuff like that is, is very weak. Um, so the resolution is weak, but the, you know, the moment to moment is okay. Well, I mean, you know, clearly, um, do you think they had, did they have the, uh, I don't know the title of the other episode that we're going to be seeing with the mouth creatures and stuff like that. Do you think this was already in motion so they were just setting that episode up with the with the storyline, or did they just come? Uh, how do you think that worked out? Because clearly, know. this is just a setup for something that we're going to see in the future. I don't know. They probably didn't know exactly what they were going to do, but there had to be some kind of notion they're going to do something because they carry on so much about a conspiracy and all this stuff. Yeah, um, because I don't think coming I'm, out of their mouths. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <'Cause I don't, laughs> 
Would you say Remick has uh, has one of those thing creatures in him now? In this episode? I don't know. I guess we can ask that question later, but I, I wish that. I was interested enough. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to know. Uh, I don't it's know what I'm like it's nine where I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Is he a changeling? Is he a changeling? Yeah. I can't decide what I'm more interested in, whether there's a creature in his mouth or in the unit he just put down. <laughs> <laughs> What's this episode about, guys? Is there any actual relationship between the, uh, the A and the B thematically? Uh, being tested, yeah. I guess. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know really what, what the what the moral of that story is, but I mean, <laughs> obviously there's a notion of you just you have to do your best, but be yourself is really the only way to proceed and be tested. Or, you know, I don't know. Best kind I can. Kind of a coming of age thing for Wesley. You know, trials of youth. You kind of get. To, well, I mean, we didn't talk about his friend who took off in the in the shuttle. Yeah. Quick, quick question: How how could he get it be out of transporter range? <laughs> that whole range is a little flexible, you know, whatever works for the story, you know. Right, right. Yeah, and even that sequence, at least it, it felt like it had more to do with Picard, Picard showing uh, Remick leadership. his abilities and leadership uh, than it did, you know, um, whiny kid because he didn't get into the pre-test <laughs> or whatever. Uh so yeah, I I I kind of enjoy this episode mostly because I kind of I you know I'm not gonna say it I kind of I like the Wesley stuff in here. If the entire episode had been that, no, that wouldn't have worked. But as a B, I like it. I like the Wesley stuff, and I love that scene between him and Worf. I think it's I think it's great. That one scene is great. I really it's do. Clearly, the strongest of the four we watched today. We talked about absolutely. Today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Let's finish up with. Six degrees for coming of age. Uh, crap. What's the score? I think it's rather... 3-1 or 4-1? I'm not sure. I think it's 4-1. No, it's 3-1. Right. Nobody got their questions last time. 3-1. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Adam. <clears throat> Robert Ito plays Officer Chang, the Starfleet officer that administers the test to Wesley and the other candidates. In Voyager's final season in the episode Author, Author, he plays the father of one of her Voyager's bridge crew. What's his character's last name? The character's last name? Um, yep. Oh my god, I'm just going blank today. Um, completely blank. Have at it, Steve. Um, is it Harry Kim's father? You are correct. It was yeah. Kim. I couldn't yeah. think of his damn name. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, 4 1 Steve. John Putch plays the Benzite Mordock who wins thanks to Wesley's help. Uh, in Next Gen's second season, Putch plays another Benzite, uh, this one named Mendon. When Wesley meets Mendon and thinks that he is Mordok, what does Mendon say? Hmm. I, I do not recall. Caesar, you take a guess? I am not him. Yeah, okay, I'll give that to you. I was looking for we all look alike, basically. <laughs> you know, all from the same place, same geostructure, but I'll give that to you. So 4-2 uh, f- or 5-2? 4-2, I believe, yeah. Or something. Yeah. All right. Take it. <clears throat> um, hey, real quick. Abrams directing Star Wars. Oh, wait, Good man. or bad? 
I've had a lot of thoughts about this. Let's let's talk. Let's let's save that and and talk about it next time briefly. Uh, sounds again. good. Sounds right. good. I, I want to point out a couple of Star Trek, real short Star Trek things here. Um, it, there have been a lot of announcements this week. So we've got we've got uh, Enterprise season one Blu-rays coming in March. But then the big stuff this week we had. Um, uh, very end of April is going to be Next Gen Season 3, along with the best of both worlds cut together as a single episode, which is, I'm sure, going to play much better than the um, VHS splice that I did when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really cool. I'm kind of excited about that. And then it sounds like they're going to do that, you know, the Fathom theat- theat- Theatrical event again. Uh, but Am I correct? And are they going to just do it as best of both worlds one and two? Because that kind of doesn't make sense. Because now you got the premiere of season four as part of the Fathom season three event. So I'm not sure. Did mm-hmm. you guys hear that same thing? I have not heard anything about that. I guess I missed. Okay, that. so maybe that's not totally official yet. Um, and then of course the other nutty thing this week with the Super Bowl spot and putting up the tickets. And I bought my tickets for Star Trek Into Darkness. Hmm. How how awesome is that? Uh, you know, because it's going to be on for IMAX 3D screens. It, uh, they're doing a fan sneak two days early, so on mm-hmm. Wednesday night, uh, you can check it out. I'm, that's just a couple months away. I'm very excited about that. You're going to definitely hear more and more about that from us. We're talking about some things we're going to do. Um, <clears throat> Adam Embry, Steve's brother, has been recording our podcast for the last couple of years, and uh, he is moving on to... Um, bigger and better things and uh, we wish him luck and want to just thank him so much for everything he's done in the last couple of years I'm going to try to do these recordings myself we'll see if that works out <laughs> um, but anything I'm doing is everything I learned from him so we really appreciate everything he's done for us and getting us going and uh, wish him all the best of luck and with that you can follow us on Twitter that's at Trek Companion send us an email uh, Trek Companion at gmail.com uh, our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion uh, if you leave us a review on iTunes it helps other people find us which is the coolest thing you could do uh, in two weeks we're going to be back with four more next gen episodes and then two weeks after that we will finish out season one with a three episode discussion but two weeks from now four episodes so until next time take it easy have a good night see you